0: Christmas is lovely. Birthdays are a kick. But for me, New Year's is the most wonderful time of the year. Poet Dana Joya says, The new year always brings us what we want, simply by bringing us along to see a calendar with every day uncrossed, a field of snow, without a single footprint. Am I alone in getting carried away by the hope of the new year? We resolve to eat better, to spend less, to read more, to make new friends, find a congregation, find a relationship, get a hobby, stop smoking. Maybe this is the year that the old patterns shift Maybe this is the year I'll keep my car clean. This is the year I'll send birthday cards and meditate every single day. And good on us. Maybe this indeed is the year that the personal transformations we long for stick. And what of our larger world? As we lean into this new year, how easy it is to be overwhelmed disheartened and dismayed by all that is transpiring. When increasingly oligarchic rulers steal in broad daylight from future generations, threatening the already frayed safety nets of the poor, the sick, and the elderly, to stuff the coffers of the already wealthy, when the threat of nuclear war looms ominously larger, When every day we see new effects of climate change, flooding and burning and displacing people, real people, and that just scratches the surface. As we each contend with living in these troubling times, in the first service of this barely-touched year, let's meander through history to see if we might encounter a few crumbs of hope to sustain us on our journey In 1850, a mother grieved the death of her 18-month-old child, which she later said opened her for a new compassion for the plight of enslaved people in the United States. This freelance journalist, Harriet Beecher Stowe, went on to pen the book Uncle Tom's Cabin. While it was a really bad book by many standards, it sold half a million copies in the U.S. and Britain, and through its portrayal of an antagonist slave dealer and plantation owner, Simon Legree, and sympathetic rendering of the enslaved Tom, radically opened people's minds and hearts to the impact of slavery. The unexpected bestseller galvanized thousands of new abolitionists and some say sparked the chain of events that ended legal slavery in the United States. Lincoln is purported to have said to Harriet Beecher Stowe upon their meeting, so you're the little woman who wrote the book that made this great war. There were many people working diligently to end slavery years before Uncle Tom's Cabin was written, but then unexpectedly, the spark caught. The fire of justice was burning, and it couldn't be stopped. In 1955, 14-year-old Emmett Till was murdered by two white men for allegedly flirting with a white woman. Till's mother defiantly elected to hold an open casket funeral for her son. Tens of thousands of people saw the boy's terribly brutalized body, and it electrified the movement for civil rights. Rosa Parks would say of her decision to stay seated in the front of a Montgomery bus, I thought about Emmett Till, and I couldn't go back. Park's action led to the Montgomery bus boycott, which led to the cascade of historic action, until less than 10 years later, the Civil Rights Act of 1964 was adopted, followed by the Voting Rights Act. There were people working diligently for civil rights long before Emmett Till's funeral, and then unexpectedly, again, the spark caught... The fire of justice was burning, and it couldn't be stopped. On August 19, 1989, the son of Austria's last emperor, Otto von Habsburg, and a reform-minded Hungarian minister of state had an idea to create a gathering called the Pan-European Picnic. They would hold it in Sopran, a Hungarian town on the, on the border with Austria. They planned to open the Hungarian-Austrian border so that Hungarians would be allowed to cross undeterred. What they didn't anticipate is that hundreds of East Germans would use this opportune and unprecedented moment to escape. The Hungarian Border Patrol agents turned their backs and let the East Germans through. Hope spread, and it wasn't even three months later, on November 9, 1989, The people on both sides of the Berlin Wall took crowbars and hammers and dismantled that symbol of separation. Robert Gates, in an interview in 1996, said that the CIA had no idea in January 1989 that a tidal wave of history was about to break upon us. A new Europe was born. There were people working diligently to dismantle the wall and unify Germany years before the pan European peace picnic, but then suddenly the spark caught. The fire of justice was burning and it couldn't be stopped. In all of these cases, and in so many more, momentous social change happened unexpectedly and rapidly. Author Malcolm Gladwell explored the process by which social change happens in his book, The Tipping Point. He says, the tipping point is that magic moment when an idea, trend, or social behavior crosses a threshold, tips, and spreads like wildfire. I mean, who could have imagined, for example, only 10 years ago that marriage equality would be the law of the land? In 2007, only 30% of Americans were in favor of legalizing it. And 10 years later, it's 62%. That's a seismic shift in such a short time. And of course, we're living in a tipping point moment now. It was less than three months ago that the New York Times published an article featuring on-the-record interviews with women abused by Harvey Weinstein, the powerful media mogul. Actress Alyssa Milano arguably sparked the tipping point moment. On a suggestion from a friend, Milano tweeted the message: If all the women who have been sexually harassed are assaulted, wrote Me Too as a status, we might give people a sense of the magnitude of the problem. Milano disclosed her own experience of being a victim of sexual violence. Me Too. The post was retweeted 16,000 times, and the now-famous hashtag was incorporated into social media posts 500,000 times. Women shared and are still sharing stories on social media and in person, often for the first time. Women who thought they were alone saw that they weren't, and you know some of what happened next. The cascade of powerful men started falling, suddenly accountable for their behavior. Oh yes, the spark is lit, and the fire of justice is raging, and yes, I know, I know, it hasn't toppled everyone who deserves to be toppled, and yet it is reaching, and especially reaching beyond the wealthy and the privileged Members of the Unite Here Hotel Workers Union were diligently working long before the Weinstein story broke on passing an ordinance called Hands Off, Pants On in the Chicago City Council, which would ensure that hotel employees are provided with panic buttons. One of the organizers, Karen Kent, said that in the wake of the Me Too movement, the sisterhood of silence is ending She said, this is old behavior. It's been going on for years and years, but people are finally telling the truth. They're speaking out, and we're going to change the way things are done. But I want to travel back a little further. 11 years before the viral tipping point moment, Tarana Burke was one of millions of women who had been victims of sexual violence. She came up with, and began utilizing the phrase, me too, way back in 2006 in her work with young women. So for 11 years, Burke was speaking to other young women in schools and community centers, especially women of color like herself, to let them know that if they have been victims of sexual violence, they're not alone. She said simply, this happened to me too. Tirana Burke was motivated from her heart and a desire to ease the pain of other women. Guided by her personal experience, she used her voice with no clue at all that her idea would be the spark that lit a fire that would blaze in 2017. But it did. It would be so wonderful to know right now when the fire of justice will spark that ends corporate rule by the few and brings power to the people. When the fire of justice will spark that dismantles our nuclear arsenals forevermore. When the fire of justice will spark that creates the will to shift permanently to solar and wind power. Of course, we can't know, but we can act, just like Tarana Burke did. Trusting that in this interdependent web of ours, our seemingly small actions matter in ways that we can never know. We need to remember Robert Kennedy's words. Each time a person stands up for an ideal or improves, acts to improve the lot of others, or strikes out against injustice, they send forth a tiny ripple of hope. And crossing each other from a million centers of energy and daring, those ripples build a current which can sweep down the mightiest walls of oppression and resistance. Tipping Point author Malcolm Gladwell shared a couple of key insights from the Tipping Point that we might weave into resolutions for our shared new year. Resolutions for the common good. Tipping point insight number one, he said what must underlie successful epidemics in the end is a bedrock belief that change is possible, that people can radically transform their behavior or beliefs in the face of the right kind of impetus. So, resolution number one, are you with me? Resolve not If we stop believing that we can change the world, the plutocrats and the climate change deniers have got us. This doesn't mean that we won't have moments and days of feeling despondent or outraged in this year. Of course we will. We probably already have. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't grieve and grieve deeply all that has been lost and is being lost. Of course we should. But let's not resolve, let's resolve not to feed the wolf of despair and instead feed the wolf of trust and of hope. That's what makes us people of faith, right? Let's have some faith this year that our small actions can make a difference. As you count encounter the new year with your nearly empty planner, consider How might you, given your own unique talents, capabilities, and callings, respond to the ache of this world? How might you kindle the fire of justice in your own way? Whatever it is, we need you making your unique ripples. Teach, march, write, call, sing, Love in your own way. Gladwell, tipping point, insight number two. One of the more striking observations, he says, about epidemics is that they are started by incredibly small groups of people. That's the paradox of the epidemic, that in order to create one contagious movement, you often have to create many small movements first. So, resolution number two, I invite you to resolve to connect with or re-energize your connection to a group of other people, and not electronic people, but real people, in person, who share your vision for justice. If you're involved with the social justice team, raise your hand. See one of these people. If you are interested in getting involved with our social justice team. Right now, they're discerning what they want to get done this year. Your passion, your energy, your interest can feed into that very important discussion. Or lend your energies with renewed vigor to another small group committed to justice in the town. We can get stuff done locally. Nationally, maybe another picture, but right here in Hickory, we can get things done. In closing, may may we be buoyed by the words of Seamus Heaney that we heard earlier in the surface. History says don't hope on this side of the grave. But then, once in a lifetime, the longed-for tidal wave of justice can rise up and hope and history rhyme. Oh, please, in 2018... May it be so.